Hello and welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. Full crew here today. I'm Ross Levitan. I'm joined by Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament. Well, it's a story that you've already heard over and over again, but yes, the boys will dissect Bobby Ryan's hat-trick performance against the Vancouver Canucks. Look ahead to bonus hockey. I mean, February 29th is a free day in general, so why not have the two best teams in the league? Oh, I meant to say lottery. Go head-to-head. The Detroit Red Wings hosting the Ottawa Senators tonight while we were recording. Belleville going on the second half of a back-to-back in Cleveland, so we'll break down the first one. A nice 5-1 victory. Scattered Senators and the Tankathon. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, February 29th. I mentioned a bonus day. Pilsy, I'm coming to you first. Take me through your reaction, your emotions, watching Bobby Ryan put up three goals. Well, we were talking about it on the last couple podcasts, how great of a moment it's going to be when Bobby Ryan gets that first goal. So he gets that first goal off a nice tip from the point, top shelf, and you think, okay, wow, what a great moment for Bobby. Like, everyone's stoked. Nice that he gets that goal. I had no inclination that he was going to go all the way and get a hat trick, his first hat trick since December 2014 against the Buffalo Sabres. So, I like, there's just, you can't write this stuff. Bobby Ryan coming back, his first home game, gets the hattie. Parley, how are you feeling when you saw that? It was pretty. It was a pretty cool moment, I think, for not just Senators fans and not just Bobby Ryan, but just kind of like the hockey community. It's one of those moments where it's like, hey, this is uh, this is more than just a game. This is something that a guy has been dealing with for a long time and a long time in the shadows as well. Yeah, he was very candid, which was uh, I think very mature of him. He's uh, definitely getting to be an older guy in the in the league and handling it the way he did was I think the right way to do it. Uh, I liked that he gave a lot of credit to his wife too, and. Uh, you know, when you see a guy like that, like kind of breaking down on the bench and two young kids that are just starting that grind of the NHL lifestyle in Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris riding shotgun on that evening. And just to see how excited they were on the bench, all the boys sharing the story on Instagram afterwards of Bobby Ryan, just kind of like taking in that moment. And you could almost see the roller coaster of emotions going on, uh, kind of wearing it on his face, you know, and I thought the crowd did a great job of uh, being there for him and getting loud and that place was rocking. So uh, just all in all, a pretty cool moment for not just Sens fans, but Bobby Ryan and all of hockey, because I was talking to a bunch of Leafs fans who were happy to see it happen, you know? So it was uh, kind of a bigger than bigger than hockey moment. And we need those every once in a while, I think. Yeah, it transcended for sure. We even had Ian Mendez on Leafs lunch, which uh, it's not very often we get some sense content. Uh, that I'm able to sneak in on that show. So that was great uh, to get his perspective, of course, being in the building. I want to kind of move into, well, uh, I mean, we can start with the fact that from the first shift, um, even even when it failed, Bobby was, he's just playing confident. He, he tried to, you know, lower the shoulder and get in on Alex Edler. I thought it was going to be a penalty. They kind of both tumbled down uh, outside it, but he brought it and so did the rest of his line. Oh, we should give him some stick taps too. Uh, end of the period, standing up for himself after uh, maybe a hit right at the buzzer on Chris Tanna, but they had a nice spirited tilt. Uh, the Sens tweeted out a great photo when they came back for the second period, where it was like right through the photo, like the hole, and you could just see Bobby wailing away. So just an all in all great game for Bobby Ryan. First game back home, and the Kachuk Norris 
combo. <laughs> that was a confident line in general, eh, Parley? They're fun to watch, eh? It's fun to see when guys, you can tell sometimes last year we got a taste of it with uh, with Mark Stone, Colin White, and Brady Kachuk. You can tell that Whitey and Kachuk have been buddies for a long time. Same thing with the Norris, you know? It was funny that that was the first thing we were told about Josh Norris was he's Brady Kachuk's best friend. Flash forward to this year, I don't think anyone would have expected the the year Norris is putting up in the AHL after being hurt at University of Michigan last year, and then getting to play with Brady Kachuk, who as a 20-year-old, we talked about it on the last show, has really come into his own, and he's starting to show that he's putting up numbers that are close to the lead league in multiple categories offensively, so... Yeah, they're both playing confidently. And then when you got a new, like, kind of lifeblood back in, you know Bobby was going to bring it on that night. So putting him with two young guys who can kind of match that intensity and match that part of his game that he was going to bring, I think it was kind of a, the perfect combo for that evening. And, yeah, it definitely worked out on the score sheet as well. Yeah, so it was just your typical Brady Kachuk night. Five hits, playing almost 19 minutes. But the confidence that Josh Norris was showing in his second, how about a busy couple weeks for uh, Josh Norris gets the call up, makes his NHL debut against Montreal, goes back down, has a couple more points with Belleville in their uh, weekend games, then gets the call back up with the team. So he just felt more confident, was a plus two, had the two shots on goal, 71% in the faceoff circle, which you like to see. Um, so yeah, I thought it was all positive, and not only that part of the Carlson trade, but Pelzi, was that Rudy Balser's best game in the National Hockey League? It certainly was one of them. I mean, I've been a Balser's guy all the way since day one, and he's proving that he deserves to stay up in the NHL. And you talked about the the chemistry you liked between the the Chuck Norris and Ryan line, but how about that Balser's Tierney Brown line? That line was clicking all night long. Tierney with three assists last night. He's a guy I'm really glad in Pajot's absence that they have a guy like Chris Tierney uh, available to be that centerman because, man, can he dish the puck. That that play where he got uh, Bobby Ryan the puck on his second goal was just such a good heads-up play. But, yeah, Balsters gets his first of the season. He hit the post early on, too. So I like what I see from him, and hopefully he's going to stay up here until uh, it's time for Belleville's Calder Cup run. I feel like we've been talking about Marcus Hogberg and how he, he might be on borrowed time with the uncertainty surrounding the return of Anders Nielsen. You know, we see him at practice and then he's not skating for a little while. But talk about taking full advantage. Just a few highlight real saves in that game against Vancouver. Yeah, and he kept this team in the game like he always does. The Sens were outshot 34 to 25. And let's be honest, the two goals that he let in weren't really his fault. The first one was Ron Hainsey was kind of, he was trying to block the shot, but didn't kind of get uh, wide enough to get in the way of it and was acting more of a screen than anything. And then the second goal by the Canucks, that's a tip play by Tyler DeFoley that Marcus Hogberg would have had if it hadn't got tipped. So this guy is showing night in and night out that he's the Senator's best chance to win in the crease. It's going to be really sad when you see him sent back down to the AHL, but hopefully with all this experience up in the NHL and keeping his teams in competitive games when really they're being out-talented and outplayed for much of the games is going to give him some confidence and he'll be a true number one starter in the AHL. 
You got to think that he's just a fighter, you know. He's got a little bit of in him where he's athletic enough, and he's got good feet. Yeah, uh, we, I remember saying when he's got really good control of the rebounds with his with his pads. You know, that was one of the first things we noticed about him when we saw him play live. I remember talking about that with you, Pilsy, because you've always been a Marcus Hogberg guy, and I I do I wasn't sure on him, but he's definitely come in and shown that he's the type of guy where yeah, you can look at him as a future number one now. I think that that's not at all a question really he's put up a pretty good sample size on a pretty bad hockey team so like you mentioned this is a guy that's going to just gain confidence from this it's kind of throwing the kid to the fire and he's uh i guess a better analogy is throwing him in the pool and he's swimming not drowning so i'll go with that one instead but yeah it's certainly impressive and it just continues to build that you know he might not be getting wins every night <laughs> he's not getting wins every night but he's putting his uh team in a chance in a place where they have a chance to get that win Another t- man who's had an opportunity this season and taken full advantage is Connor Brown. He scored his 14th goal of the season. He's got team lead now. Uh, well, he tied with Pajot with 40 points, so his next one will give him the outright team lead. Uh, you could say it was a bad goal for Thatcher Demko. Yeah, that's fair. But what I need is your opinion, whether I'm going to win this bet. One of our old CSM buddies, Brandon McCarthy, um, doesn't think he's going to hit 20 goals. So before the season, I threw a a nice healthy wager, I'd say, down that he was going to hit 20 goals. Do you see him getting six in the last 15 games here? Yeah, I I think so, for sure. I mean, you look at uh, the amount of ice time that he's going to be playing with guys like uh, Ennis, Nemeskov, and Pajot out of the lineup. He's going to get a lot more power play time. And we saw him with another breakaway. I mean, Connor Brown, I bet he leads the team in breakaways this year. He just had so many prime scoring opportunities. And his shooting percentage is down at only 8.9%. So you got to hope or expect that that's going to bump up at least a couple percentage uh, as we go down the stretch here. And I wouldn't be surprised if he can get six quick ones. I mean, I don't think it's going to be much more than 20 goals, Ross. It's going to be it's going to be right down to the wire, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets six more and gets 20 and uh, you ended up winning that bet up against BMAC. That would be really nice. There's still some time to figure that out. Uh, getting Moving on to today's game, or tonight, I should say, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Wow, they are terrible. Uh, they've lost four straight, but you can even go back... Um, since November 13th, they have eight wins, 35 losses, and gotten the extra point in three of them. That is maybe the worst team in the lockout or post-lockout era. I, I can't even think of anyone who's even close, but there is a storyline to this game. Thomas Shabbat plays NHL game number 200. Um you think back to when he played the one game in 2016-17. Remember, it was seven minutes against uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Um, you can't give steak to a baby. you got to only play them seven minutes. Well, he was a minus two and did not look comfortable. So d- did you think that this development curve? Now, I saw him when he played in junior, and you could tell there was some special qualities. But are you surprised at all at how quickly he's become not only an all-star but a number one defenseman on, in an NHL team? He was kind of forced into it, you know, forged by fire. And there's such a situation around him right now where it was an absolute carousel of defensemen for a long period of this season where it felt like for two months it was just a different D-man with him every night. And yeah, for him to have the ability to play this well and I think it's just his skating ability. You know what I mean? Like it's such a skating league now and he's one of the best. He's so smooth with the puck and, uh, 
you know, he's so long as well. I think he's got so many physical attributes that he's now just starting to learn the game and how to use those physical attributes to his to the best of his ability. So to get the most out of what he's been doing, NHL game 200, and it's funny, he's already kind of seems like the wily vet back there on the blue line because he's uh, he's the number one. Yeah, he's not only the number one, before this season... Um, so take off 65 games, quick math, 135 NHL games. He had never reached 30 minutes in a single game. He's done it 10 times this season in 65 games. So talk about uh, enhancing your role. Well, 30 minutes a game, that's that's up there at the top of the league. And his game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, I want to say, as I just pull this back up here, yeah, it was in Tampa Bay. He played almost 38 minutes. That's the highest of any player in a single game this season and almost four minutes more than he's played in any game this season as well. So, yeah, really developing into that 1A defenseman. And, man, I I can only think two, three years down the road what it's going to be. Remember, he's still on his entry-level contract. Even though he is signed for the next eight years, he's making 900 k this year. Talk about getting every penny's worth. Um, it's pretty, pretty impressive, Pilsy, if you just want to – put your two cents in before we move on for sure and it's it's even more impressive that he's had to climb up this development curve on one of the worst teams in the league for pretty much his whole career at least the last two three years it's been tough sledding for Thomas Shabbat but he's put this team on his shoulders and shown that he can still put up points remember there was a period of time where it kind of seemed like he was going to be one of those riverboat gambler kind of defensemen but He's turned that around. He's playing smart defensively. And what I like best about Thomas Shabbat is his ability to break out of that zone. That first pass out of the zone, he he can make a long extended pass, a quick one. Or if he doesn't see anything open, he can go for a skate and bring it in himself. So that's just huge for a rebuilding team to have a guy like Thomas Shabbat put all this weight on his shoulders and play plus 30 minutes a night whenever you ask him. That's so impressive. As a Senators fan, you can start to expect, well, how long do we keep this guy sort of thing? There's been a lot of turnover with incredible players. I don't think we should, I think we'd be remiss not to mention that he's got the trust of Eugene Melnick and this ownership and management group that they slap the tag on him. It's so nice to say this guy's at game number 200 and he's got another eight years, so he might hit. I'm not going to do that kind of math and embarrass myself, but the number 200 is definitely going to grow as a senator because he's got that long term. You mentioned he's a 1A now. How nice is it for the next eight years to say, we've got our number one defenseman? So many teams have not been able to say that. I think it's so important to mention that, hey, he's locked up. He's our guy now, and we can move forward with that, with the check mark beside his name in the depth chart every single night. And that's a good point, too, partly because. It's crazy. This guy's coming out of its entry-level deal. He's still in his entry-level deal. And the Sens handed out the largest contract they've ever signed in their franchise history to this guy. So that's a really good point showing you how much this franchise trusts a young defenseman to be a cornerstone guy for the rest of his career. And he's going to stay in uh, red, red jersey for quite a while, which is finally nice to see for Sens fans. Well, 200 games for Thomas Shabbat. Cody Golubev sends career 29 games and over. It's a revenge game of sorts, though, as he'll be in the Detroit lineup. Belleville last night defeated the Cleveland Monsters by a score of 5-1. to one. And Pilsy, the guys who you want to be producing offensively, well, they kept producing. 
How about Drake Batherson? You heard of Never him? Heard three of him. three assists and a goal. Like it's crazy that they uh, they're able to send a guy as good as Batherson down to the AHL and he can just light it up instantly. Usual suspects: Alex Formanton, goal and two assists; Abramov, two assists, and it was nice to see Linen get his first goal as well. So. Joey, Joey Decord stood in tall, only letting one goal in as well. So this is exactly what you want to see from the Belleville Senators. And hopefully they can uh, put the beat down on the Monsters again in today's game, which is happening right now. For a friend of the show, Drake Batherson, it's been quite the year. You mentioned it. He's going up and down and he just gets plugged right back into that lineup and immediately starts the offensive output. He's up to 50 points in his sophomore season, boys. 50. He had four points in the last game. That's a big number. You know, you start to see it. Drake Batherson at 50 points. This is impressive, the numbers he's putting up this year, especially because he hasn't been in the lineup for as many games as half of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that Drake was really on his way to establishing himself as an NHL player with eight points in his final 14 games since his most recent call-up in late January uh, and you take that into consideration with the no points in the last two games so eight points in 12 uh, really kind of making him his presence felt he's more noticeable out there but there's nothing wrong with him spending the rest of the year in Belleville it's not going to be detrimental in any sense and if he keeps up this production uh, I know when he got called up for the first real run he's leading the American Hockey League in scoring and don't let him get hot or he could find his way right back up to the top of that leaderboard too. He could. And boys, like you look at it and I think it would be so cool that yeah, he's starting to kind of announce himself at the NHL level as well. And you can definitely expect him to take a big jump next year. And I think down the line, it'll be very cool to kind of look back and say, look how decorated this guy was at the AHL level. You mentioned it, Ross, if he gets hot, he could be the scoring leader this year in the NHL or AHL. That wouldn't be a surprise last year. He was the MVP of the AHL All-Star game. And boys, I don't want to, uh, maybe I should knock on wood after I say it, but potentially he could be wearing a ring in the AHL at the end of this year as well. So that'd be pretty cool, kind of just marking up, marking off things on his, uh, on his checklist and on his resume before he even gets to the NHL level. I think this guy's going to put together quite the career, and he's starting it now. Well, you didn't even mention he's already got that gold medal from the World Juniors yeah. where he had seven goals in seven games. We get to our scattered sends and the player that Drake Batherson always said that he modeled his game after. Mark Stone, of course, always will be a fan favorite in Ottawa. He's going to be out indefinitely with a lower body injury. Um, Their head coach there, Peter DeBoer, didn't sound too positive. He said as he's still under evaluation, it's scary. So that would be really tough for Vegas, who might be the hottest team in the NHL. Uh, I think they've won seven or eight in a row. So that would be a little, pretty tough for him. And then uh, Zach Smith as well, Pilsy, he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, Smitty with the Blackhawks. Uh, looks like he's getting back surgery. So that's going to be the the end of the season there, which, I mean, for the Blackhawks, their season, they made it pretty clear on trade deadline day what direction they were heading. So I think that's the point where it was a nagging injury. And you, they said, you know what, we're kind of done for the season, trading Gustafson and Robin Leonard at the deadline. So it's better to get that fixed up for next season if he does indeed return to the Blackhawks. So they're kind of done for the season. So it's about time Smitty got healthy and got that back surgery done. Yeah, often better to just shut it down when there isn't much to play for with a guy like Smitty. But Ross, you mentioned that Mark Stone's out now. So that's a hole in the lineup of one of the hottest teams in the league in Vegas. The other hot team 
holy, New York is on an absolute terror right now. And the guy that they signed big made it pretty clear they want Chris Kreider to be their power forward moving forward. Broken foot. It's always tough to see a guy sign a big deal like that and then get hurt. That's a big blow to New York. Yeah, it's a huge blow, especially considering I've got a nice little future on them to be the cup champs this year. Um, Sticking with injuries, I guess, back to Ottawa, Colin White and Anthony Duclair, they're both questionable for Tuesday, so neither will play tonight in Detroit. Um, I guess at this point you'd rather be 100% certain that they're that they're uh, back, and it doesn't hurt seeing um, seeing Josh Norris in that Colin White spot, um, and it just gives opportunity to kind of shuffle the lines up. So maybe not a blessing in disguise per se, but there could be worse times to be facing injuries to two of your top six guys. Well, and that's what DJ Smith said, Ross. He said, you know what, we're not going to rush either of these guys back. They're skating, they're looking better, but they're not going to play unless they're 110%, which kind of similar to the Blackhawks uh, situation. You know where your season's heading. No sense uh, pushing anyone if they're not fully healthy. So that's good to hear, and hopefully we see them back because the Sens are playing the Penguins, and I hate watching the Sens get shelled by the Penguins. So at least with some reinforcements with Duke and Whitey back, It'll be a much closer game. That's definitely a game you mentioned it against the Penguins. That's a rivalry game for the fan base. Uh, I don't, there isn't many Senators left in that lineup that lost to them. But uh, for the fans, it's always nice to see uh, a big Sens win over the Penguins because, man, that one still hurts. I know. The sh- the flutter puck that changed everything, oh. really. Oh, nasty revisionist history. Well, instead of chasing those championships, your Ottawa Senators have the tank watch to look forward to every single day. You can go to our Twitter, at Send Central. We've got all the, the bullet points that you need to know uh, to cheer for, who to cheer against. 